in this episode of BFR Tuesday. Today I'm going to talk with Dr. Chris Clark from Jacksonville State and Mike Polachek from Jacksonville State. We just published a study that we'll be presenting to the National Strength and Conditioning Association National Conference in July. And we're going to talk about that study and how its effects on their Division I football players positively increase their strength in as little as four weeks and surprise some surprise findings from this study that we'll chat about as well when it comes to changes in power. So here we go. You are listening to the BFR University Podcast with your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. BFR University is dedicated to helping people learn safe and effective ways to implement blood flow restriction training into their lives. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. Two individuals who I'll let introduce themselves from uh, Jacksonville State, who, and we'll be presenting on some research that they've done at the National Strength and Conditioning Association um, conference in a couple months, uh, but we get to see some data now, and uh, this is really cool. So, um, Chris and uh, Mike, you guys want to jump on and do a little, uh, I know you kind of introduced, but some other people have come on. Why don't you do a little, why don't you do a little intro? Yeah, okay. Uh, my name is Mike Wasik. I'm the head athletic trainer slash director of sports medicine at Jacksonville State University um, in good old Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, and uh, primarily, I cover football as well as um, supervise all our 16 other sports uh, on a daily basis. Good deal. Thank you, Mike. Uh, my name is Dr. Chris Clark, and I am the program director for the, the new Masters in Athletic Training program at Jacksonville State. Uh, we began this fall and fall of 2020, so I oversee uh, the program. We have six uh, six students, and um, we're really excited about this study and how this will will help uh, Jacksonville State tremendously. So we're we're very excited about it. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, Chris, if you need, uh, I instruct in one other master's program for athletic training. So if you ever need anybody do a little uh, guest lecture or something, let me know. I love, uh, I love it. Awesome. Yeah, we could definitely, definitely work that out if you'd be interested. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So um, awesome. So I've got a few questions. Usually how I start these uh, BFR Tuesdays, if people haven't been on here, really this is a forum for people to ask questions versus I mean, I do get a lot of questions in email and on social media and stuff, but uh, this is a way that I can kind of talk about those questions and then people, and then I share it. So this goes on my BFR University website. It also gets sent to the 500 and some odd people that registered for this webinar. They see the replays mostly because we are during the middle of clinical hours. And then it also gets posted on my YouTube channel, which is just Ed LaCara. And then, um, uh, the 11 or 12,000 people in my database get sent an email twice a month on news on a newsletter, which basically is uh, whatever research has come out, whatever I think is kind of interesting, good articles, uh, because I know people get tired of me talking. And so I get um, information out that way. So awesome. So um, I got a couple questions here. First, Caroline, I had received my smart cuts and I've set up the LOP for arms and legs too low. I've... Um, I've also downloaded the app. Okay, however, I feel I need some personal instruction on getting started. Is this part of the program? Uh, typically not, but I'm happy to jump on a call with you and just get you started. Um, I'm still updating the app. The app is our Smart Cuff Academy app. So when you get 
a set of cups, you automatically get registered. At least you should. We've been having some bugs, but you should get registered for the app. You can download it, and then it takes you through a three-week on-ramp for BFR. I have to up update the um, the new Gen 3 cups because before it was with our old Doppler and Gen 2 cups, but that's coming. But the exercises, I think there's a three-week exercise program. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that helps people get kind of oriented. Of course, we have live training. We have a virtual training coming up for BFR Level 1 coming in June, and then my all-new Level 2 course, which will be performance-based BFR, I'm going to launch in July, which is all going to be online. I think it's six Tuesdays, uh, an hour to an hour and a half each, um, so that way it's a little bit easier to consume. Um, so that'll be coming up. Um, let me see. So how cuffs, Thomas asks, can you explain how cuffs work out my rhomboids? Yeah. So we have three different effects from BFR. We, when I put a cuff on my arm, I've got the primary effect, which is distal or away from the cuff. That's what's going to get the, the best benefit. So when I put the cuff on here and I do bicep exercise, I do uh, wrist extensor, wrist flexor, I do tricep exercise, that's going to get the biggest benefit. Second benefit is proximal to the cuff. A lot of that is due to pre-fatiguing the arm, so that forces my shoulder to work more. The other thing I get is called a systemic effect. So when I put the cuff on, I create a hypoxic or a lack of oxygen environment. My brain registers that, and I get an endocrine response, I get a paracrine response, and I get other mechanoreceptor responses within the tissue that is signaling to the brain. So distal response, proximal response, and a systemic response. And a really cool in the rehab setting is a crossover response. So I, I exercise this arm. This arm gets a benefit, even if I'm in a sling or a cast or something else. That's the crossover effect or would be part of that systemic effect. So you get all three. So if you're really trying to work your rhomboids, what I would recommend doing is pre-fatiguing this arm as much as you can and then forcing those rhomboids to work really hard. If you go on my YouTube channel, I've got a couple exercises that are my favorites for the rhomboids, like a prone, a prone like almost Superman, not including the lower back, because I think it's too much compressive forces for the lumbar spine. And then you go up and over the top. Uh, you can do rowing, you can do, you know, whatever you kind of like to do, but uh, that's how I would work rhomboid. Um, Thomas, how often do your football players use BFR? Um, so Mike and Chris, you guys might want to answer this. Like how often are you guys using BFR? And it really is going to depend on what macro and micro cycle that they're in is I'm assuming what you guys are going to tell me, but I'll let you guys take it from there. Yeah. Uh, hey Thomas. So at, uh, at JSU, we, when we started the study, uh, it was in our off season strength conditioning program. And if you look at the slides, you can see the program we use, we use it twice a week. Um, one for upper body, one for lower body, um, and what we would do is we would alternate our compound Olympic lift uh, week to week with our accessory lift. So we would use a non-linear undulating periodization where you're, you're alternating the intensity um, day to day and you're um, using it in conjunction with BFR so that um, you can kind of create a more hypoxic environment it's way less load if you see week one we only use 20 percent um in our strength and conditioning program um and then when we got to week three we used 30 percent um so really low loads 
um, and it's really high reps. So you're doing 75 reps total with a 30 second break in between um, to set a 30, uh, 15, 15, 15. And, and that's all being done with a 30 second rest and um, having the cuffs on the entire time um, to really stimulate that. Um, that HGH, that new blood flow, increasing that cardiac output throughout the workout. Um, and we, we also we, we use it uh, we use it a lot in um, in recovery as well. We would use um, DFR with with for instance if we we're on a Sunday and we played on a Saturday, we would use it as a, a recovery, um, having both cuffs on uh, the lower body uh, for an athlete for for occlusion time of five minutes. Um, and then at 100% LOP, and then at the end of that, we would release the air, and we'd cycle through the next person. So we, we, we use it a lot of different creative ways. Um, I feel like, um, and that's kind of what this study shows, Thomas, is that um, we, we were trying to come up with something that's never been done before, and, and that's what this study shows, is that we can use this in conjunction with our off-season program to uh, increase a one-rep max. Yeah, so explain to our audience why why do you think like this is all done being done with healthy division one football players. I mean, cream of the crop, right? Like why would you want to use light loads with that subset of athletes? Well, I think there's there's two reasons. One, you're you're looking at it from the standpoint of Okay, um, in strength conditioning, the the usual the you know the foundation of strength conditioning says that okay to increase power, increase strength, you have to decrease volume and increase intensity. Well, this is doing the complete opposite. We're increasing volume and decreasing intensity, and the cuffs create that hypoxic environment to increase cardiac output. So your heart rate is going up into the 160s right out of the gate. So the rest of your workout. You're, I mean, your heart rate's high versus when you in a traditional weight room without the cuffs, you, you usually take maybe the second or third exercise to you start getting up in those levels. Um, but I, I think it's in my mind as well. I, I feel like an athlete can't start this program and go like the first two weeks and they they start to plateau. They start to get used to the workout. Whereas in um, our our microcycle here that we did in our study. Our guys couldn't get used to it. Um, and then also, if you look at our, our Thursday, our Thursday was a lower body day. It was the last day of our, um, our strength conditioning for that week. So not only are we increasing strength, increasing power on the day, but we're also recovering faster. So when we hit Monday of the next week, guys are able to hit velocities and, and get better reps versus if they didn't, in, in my mind. Ed. Yeah, I think um – well, before I make any comments, Chris, do you have any anything to add to that? Um, no, I just think I think that kind of what, what Mike was saying, and I think you're probably going to going to hit on that. I think the aspects of how that how that makes the functional aspect of the, of the player, uh, the recovery time, the, the functional application on the field, um, all those techniques contribute to making that person better. And, and it, when you're in any kind of field, whether you're an athletic trainer or you're a, a strength and conditioning coach or whatever. That's kind of your goal is making your players better, and I think I think Mike and I have both come across how how this really helps improve a lot of factors and how they how they perform better. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think for me being a little bit more from the rehab side versus the performance side, for me, it's about injury prevention. It's about durability. It's about preventing, you know, old school injuries in the weight room, trying to lift more weight when I want to be a better football player. It never, like when I got to St. Mary's College of California, they brought me into the athletic training room to do their ACL rehab and their spine rehab. We had 13 ACL, active ACL injuries that I was rehabbing. And pretty much the whole women's basketball team had either a stress fracture, multiple level disc herniation, and was all based on old school thinking from the strength and conditioning side. And the two sides, athletic training, sports medicine, wasn't speaking with strength and conditioning. Strength and conditioning just wants to get bigger, stronger, faster. I want to keep people durable and, and in the game, right? I don't want to hurt somebody. It's dumb to hurt somebody in the weight room, in my opinion. Like, they're not there to be a bench presser. It's different if you're working with Olympic lifters or power lifters or something. So anyway, for me, it's like if we can use light loads, we can improve their repair. We can improve their recovery. We can increase growth hormone. We can do things that you can do with high-intensity exercise, absolutely. But you can allow that nervous system to kind of undulate a little. It's almost like an off day, really, physically, even though it's not an off day mentally. But you're not causing central nervous system fatigue is what we know from BFR. I can keep people healthier. I would love to see a long-term study with heart rate variability and seeing, like, can we maintain this readiness for athletes? Um, I know a lot of people at the pro level, they're using it because they don't, they can't stress their athletes in the middle of the season. If you're a basketball player or a hockey player, I mean, you're playing every other day. Like, how do you keep somebody healthy? A, a baseball player that plays 162 games, I think it is now, I don't want to be in their athletic tra training room. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they keep them healthy um, and be ready for the playoffs. Be ready to win a championship if you make it to the off season. Like, I don't know how they do it. They're amazing individuals and they don't get enough credit. Because yes, they're phenomenal athletes, but we all break down. So anyway, I'll get off my, get off my soapbox. But I think from my side, um, and I'm totally on board with what you guys are saying, is that if you're going to get the same amount of adaptation or very similar um, without the risk or injury. It's the same reason why I say don't use a one rep max on people if you don't have to. Use a three rep max. Use a five rep max. It's close enough. We get a one rep max just for ego. I hit the 1,000-pound club. I hit the 1,500-pound club. Big deal. Be a better football player. Be a better wrestler. Be a better basketball player. Let's stay injury-free out of the athletic training room unless we have to be there. Um, it frees up resources. It frees up the AT. It frees up it frees up the athlete to study and do the things that they need to do. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. why don't you, um, can you share, do you want to share your slides and kind of talk a little bit about your study and um, what you found? Yes, sir. That'd be great. And I'm going to say um, our study because I'm on that paper and I'm proud of it. And um, yeah. I didn't do nearly the work you guys did, but I get to ride your coattail. So our study, <laughs> we're going to present here uh, shortly. Yeah, so uh, our study uh, took place um, starting in June. Um, we used our Jacksonville State um, student athletes were the participants in our study. Um, and it's during the heart of COVID. Everybody's trying to get back during the Division One, Division Two. All NCAA sports are trying to come back and get ready for that fall season. Um, and we started with 32. Um, sorry, I missed the slide. 
so kind of like I'm sharing it because I don't see I don't see the slides. Let me. Am I missing it? Um, Share your screen on the bottom. Start sharing. Should be right next to your um, camera. Can you see my screen now? Uh, I I don't see it. Up oh, there we go. It looks like it's trying on our end. Are you guys getting it? You probably have a, a slower Wi-Fi. You're probably um, doing Wi-Fi versus a connected. I'm connected. So if we need to, I can I can share the slides. But hey, you're you're starting to get it. Yeah, like it's yeah there Eric, we go. If you don't mind sharing the slides, and I'll just kind of hit on them real quick. Yeah, just tell me um, tell me when you want to switch them because I won't be able to see. But I'll uh, let me let me open these up and I'll share my screen. Okay. Let me see if I can answer this. Um, do you use leg cuffs for speed drills like three cone or parachute? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so you can do what Mike alluded to before was you can do pre-event or pre-activity BFR. Um, it gets you primed, but it also, uh, like if we use something called ischemic preconditioning, which is very high pressures, 80 to 100% LOP, five minutes inflated, uh, five minutes deflated, and you do that for three to five rounds, it's been shown to prevent exercise-induced muscle damage. So um, if I'm doing a heavy plyometric day, I might use ischemic preconditioning um, to improve recovery because it'll, it'll improve the abilities, the body's ability to uh, repair and also prevent some damage during that high-intensity exercise. I don't use... I don't use our cuffs for plyometrics. Number one, it would be way too painful because our cuffs are truly occluding. Other cuffs you'll see on Instagram, they're using a, a, a bladder that has gaps in it. And so you're not really getting true occlusion. So you're not creating that hypoxic environment. And when I think of speed drills, that's what I want is speed. Cuffs will slow you down. So there's no reason to use the cuffs during speed drills, in my opinion. Now, I could be talked out of that by people that are much smarter than me, like that are on the screen below me. And if you gave me a good reason, I might say, okay, that makes sense. But in my little mind, what I'm thinking is that I use the cuffs prior for a warm-up. I use the cuffs prior not to fatigue, but to get things primed. And then I do that speed work before I go into my heavy lifting. That would make sense to me. But you don't want to slow down the nervous system uh, by creating early fatigue or peripheral fatigue or central nervous system fatigue and then go into something that you're trying to train and overtrain in order to get uh, speed effect. Any comments on that, Chris or um, Mike? Yeah, that's uh, that's our next study, Ed. Is our, our <laughs> speed study? We're gonna we're gonna knock it out. All right, I'm gonna share my. Um, so hopefully that makes sense, Thomas. And and so when we do a warm up now, if you would have asked me three years ago. Would I use BFR as a warm-up? I would have said no. And the reason is I didn't want to pre-fatigue peripheral, peripheral, which is what you're doing with BFR. You're creating a hypoxic environment. You're creating fatigue of type 1 fibers. I got talked out of that by uh, the strength and conditioning uh, coach at the Detroit Lions. We had a conversation. This is why we drink beers and stuff after conferences, because we talk about this stuff. And what he said to me was, well, if you're trying to recruit type 2 fibers and get them primed, why not 
do it, but not to failure. Why not? Why not use BFR to do a warm up, but just not do your normal 30, 15, 15, 15, do like two or three sets of like 10 reps, very light loads, 20% or less body weight, glute bridges, monster walks. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. And then uh, Stanford University was using them as a warm up as well. And, um, and so it just got me thinking like that makes total sense. Like, let's warm up. Let's not get tired. Let's not fatigue it, but let's warm up. Um, and so I've changed my tune, which I'm very apt to do, especially when smart people are telling me things that they're doing because I love it. I love learning. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to start sharing my screen and I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do this slide. So I'm going to go from here. Okay. I think you should be able to see that now. Yes. Got it. Okay. Just tell me when you want me to advance because I can't see you guys now. All right, so just with that first slide, I'll just kind of kind of start off the uh, started off. So uh, obviously, and Mike's kind of mentioned some of this, but this is just a refresher for everybody. So we did it with our with our football athletes at Jacksonville State uh, used a nonlinear undulating periodization program. Um, it was a four week microcycle, and our basic purpose of this study was to evaluate uh, whether BFR method in conjunction with a four week off season uh, nonlinear undulating periodization strength program. Would increase a one repetition max and, and max and the bench press and the back squats. All right, uh, so that's kind of the general purpose of the study. Um, so Ed, if you could uh, kind of advance the screen there to the next one, and uh, I'll just kind of continue with the participants. So the participants uh, was 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 the Jacksonville State University football players. They were age 19 to 23, and our our, our participants were required to have at least one year of prior uh, participation within the JSU uh, football strength and conditioning. Uh, program. We thought that was very important uh, for the for the results of our study. So you see a little chart there. Uh, like Mike mentioned earlier, you know, started with 32 people uh, because of various circumstances. Uh, you know, it kind of went down to 18 that completed the study. So uh, that was kind of our participants. So Ed, if you can uh, 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 go on to the next one there, and Mike, I'll let you kind of take over from here. Here. Um, so if you if you're looking at this, this is kind of like uh, our our four week program. Okay, from uh, everything from percent to reps to intensity um, and the day of the week we did it. Um, kind of like I said earlier, Friday was our off day. Um, so we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, hit it back Monday. So, you know, Monday uh, was our Olympic lift, uh, explosion, power day uh, with power cleans and front squats. Um, and Tuesday, we would go to bench press BFR. Um, and you see we're using 20% of that 1RM. And then um, the accessory lift with that was, was the skull crushers. Uh, now, keep in mind, th these are just the, the main exercises we used in the study. Um, there was actually some additional stuff, but it was kept the same format throughout. So, um, and then we had, Wednesday was kind of more mobility, accessory lift day. And then Thursday, we would be a far back squat, the lower body, because in our minds, we were using that DFR uh, lower half to kind of help recover our bodies faster. Um, and, and keep in mind too, you know, on Tuesday and Thursday, you know, for Tuesday upper body, we're using 50% of the LFD. Um, and then on Thursday, we're using 80% of the LFD. And all the LFDs were, were taken um, prior uh, with a, a PPE prior to the study. So that was um, a couple of days before we started. So we used those LOPs throughout the duration of the four weeks. 
And then if you're looking at the week two, um, you know, you see how we change. So we, we go from, uh, we go to bench press four sets of eight, um, working off a 65% one RM without BFR for bench press that day. But then we use BFR after that lift with our skull crushers, um, using that 30, 15, 15, 15, and using 10% of our uh, one RM bench press for that uh, intensity. So, and then you go down to the back squat day, you see we're using four sets of eight, we're using 65%. Um, and then we use hip extensions. So we'd have our athletes put their, uh, we do a double leg hip extension with the feet on the bench, back on the floor, um, locking their legs out and lifting their hips up to strengthen that hamstring to increase our, our back squat um, at the same time as we're covering that lower body. Uh, and then it, it changes then, and then we go back to BFR, with, uh, but we change the intensity to 30%. Um, and then we go the back squat, it was 30%, and then we alternate again um, with regular bench press. It was 5 by 5 75% 1RM. Uh, and then we use BFR skull crushers. We increase into five percent uh, with the BFR on that. And then um, on Thursday we would go the the back squats five by five, seventy-five percent one RM. And then we use BFR for the hip extension part. So we you see how we kind of change week to week, and and the intensities um, and and reps are going up and down, up and down uh, throughout this uh, microcycle. All right, Ed, you can hit the next one. Okay, so for, for this study, what we did from a validity standpoint is we used um, a 3D camera, um, elite form. I don't, if, you, if you're not familiar, it's a velocity-based training system out there um, that is phenomenal. I mean, this thing does everything from counts, reps to sets, and tracks everything from power peak power, velocity, peak velocity, uh, volume, work. Um, it, and it kind of really helped our study from the standpoint of, you know, 75 reps for a back squat, that's a lot. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure the guys were doing all the reps and sets as well as we, we used it as a, a way for us to kind of help point us in the direction of the next study um, with this system. And I can't say enough about elite form um, Skip at Elite Form, their, their CEO has been phenomenal um, sponsoring our study and it really made made all the difference um, from a validity standpoint and, and helping us know which direction moving forward. So, um, so for instance, uh, the, the picture you see here is a, uh, a peak power of the bench press BFR from week one to week three. So, you know, we, we had a 41.11% increase in power from week one to week three. Um, so, you know, that, that in my mind is just, whoa, like kind of jump in. And that's going from 20% to 30% of intensity. I mean, that's just insane to kind of see that data right there um, and, and kind of validate what we're doing and increasing power from that standpoint. Okay. So this is now this is a different this is our average power of back squat BFR now granted there were some changes in this one I think this number is actually higher but it's it's using the people all the whole the whole um, 32 in this but I would say you're probably missing 10 guys off this 
based on um, having uh, a limitation to where they cannot participate. Um, but still, I mean, that's, you know, you're looking at from 397 to you're going up 100 watts, 20% uh, change from in, in three weeks is it's pretty incredible. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, um, you know, our results now, granted, I did not put everything and anything in here. Um, I'm trying to just give a, a, a little bit um, of what we're going to present at the NSCA. But um, at the end of the day, uh, if you look at the null hypothesis, um, so we use a, a T test, um, and you see that the T test um, proves that there was a significant difference between the pre-program um, one RM test and the post one RM test. And, um, and, and under that is our bench press results. Um, again, proving that it is significantly higher uh, from pre to post. All right, and then if you can, yeah, there you go to the conclusion slide. So just to kind of wrap things up, and again, like, like Mike was saying, we don't want to give a lot of the information and data out that we're going to have to present in, at the NSCA conference, but some, some kind of take home messages that, that kind of came out of this study um, was that PFR can, can definitely improve your one rep max and strength and conditioning program, uh, which kind of speaks to your, your, your strength and conditioning aspect. And then, Ed, I love the point that you said earlier about speaking from an athletic training standpoint, you know, your job obviously is to limit injuries and also increase that recovery from injuries. So, you know, I think this study also showed not only does it, it increases that strength and performance, which in turn increases your athletic performance. Uh, and also from an injury standpoint, and we didn't put this in there, but from an injury standpoint, it really helps improve uh, that recovery aspect. And uh, it could assist in, in terms of uh, long-term degenerative changes uh, throughout the body. So we really felt that this, this study was, was very, something that was very functional to what we all want to do. And, and again, all is a, is a broad term. Are we talking, we're talking athletic trainers, we're talking strength and conditioning coaches, different things like that. So I think the results really uh, lent itself to those findings. So it was very, uh, very evident there uh, through, through the results. Yeah, and, and something I'll say too, Ed, uh, you know, just kind of off the top of my head is, uh, you know, these people, our participants are subjects in the study. You know, we didn't see any patellar tendonitis. We didn't see any uh, Achilles tendonitis. We, we saw, we didn't see any LCI's pubis. Um, a lot of uh, inflammatory conditions that would usually start around week one, week two in a uh, strength conditioning program from going to, you know, 60% to 100%. You know, we, we saw we didn't see any of that pop up. And I think that's pretty significant in itself. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that really stick out with me. Um, number one is, unfortunately, COVID cut this study short, right? Originally, it was supposed to be eight weeks. And it also increased our dropout rate. And I know we're going to get beat up a little bit with, with the scientists in the room about, God, there's such a high dropout rate. Like, yes, now the plan is to repeat this study and do it for a longer period, but still collect the data at the same interval. So that way we'll have data at four weeks again, so we can kind of validate what we found at this study. But we'll also take it out because a lot of people will say, well, that's fine at four weeks. But what happens at eight weeks, at 12 weeks, at 16 weeks? And the problem with this, for those that are not trying to write studies like we are, is that dropout is very high um, when you start extending beyond, you know, four, six, eight, ten weeks. Um, and it could be 
drop out from injury. It could be drop out because they dropped out of school. It could be drop, you know, couldn't make that. There's so many reasons. Um, I mean, I can barely make it to the dentist every six months. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's hard to collect the data, but I really want to commend you guys because number one, you know, ultimately we're clinicians. We work with people all day long and, and to put this kind of effort out to, to try to advance the field is, is what we need. And so thank you. I mean, heart from my heart, thank you, because this is what helps us just get better. Um, and of course, any way that I can help, I'd like to continue to contribute. Um, there's something else I wanted to say, but now I can't remember. Um, ultimately, I'm looking forward to presenting with you guys in um, in Florida. That's gonna be awesome, really fun. Um, we'll have to make it super interesting and engaging and doing some uh, you know some slides that really show this compare and contrast and, and highlight where we see the benefits, where we see the pitfalls, and then. Oh, the last thing I want to mention is, you know, based on what we found here with velocity, like I don't understand how you can in increase velocity when we didn't do any time-based training. So maybe Thomas is right. Maybe we need to do timed t-tests and stuff with, and maybe it will benefit. We just don't understand the mechanism. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. You know, if if, if we can increase velocity, but. Um, I don't know. And that's just something else that we need to study. Like, we don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's what my brain goes to, but you know, who knows, maybe there's some other things that we can use BFR for. I'm sure there is. We just don't even, we don't even know. So, um, it's one I got a patient in four minutes. Is there anything else you guys want to, um, uh, say to wrap up? Um, I just, I want to thank, uh, you Ed for, all you've done uh, in this study, as well as uh, Elite Form, Skip at Elite Form, and then um, our sprint conditioning coach, our athletic uh, administration being behind us, as well as uh, the, the Masters in Athletic Training at DSU, and, uh, and, and all of our co-authors uh, just really appreciate it. And, and last, uh, our, our football coaches being putting that trust in us. Yeah. Uh, you, because, you know, you got to think, you know, we're coming off a six and six season, and uh, hey, you know it, it's a it, jobs are at stake. You know they they put our trust in us to get our guys um, um, and put them in a good situation for being successful on and off the field. And you know I I can't I speak volumes. You know we went from six and six to ten and three, and uh, finished number seven in the country. So awesome. You know it's uh, it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll guarantee your football coach will always keep you on board if you keep your athletes not injured, <laughs> right? I mean, if you yeah. can keep them on the field and get them on the field faster, there's no doubt. Sorry, Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say I echo that. I know you got a patient, so I'm not going to go through that. But all, all, all the things that Mike said, and and I want to tell you, uh, all you guys listening and, and, and everybody around, how how hard Mike and, and all his, his staff and, and athletes work. I think that made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. um, and the COVID factor added to the to the to the equation. It made it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but but everybody at JSU, whether it's the coaches, the, the players, the athletes, the staff, and even the people who who contributed to the research, really had to work very hard uh, to get this accomplished. And I think it was very well worth it. So I, I just commend everybody that was involved. Yeah, it's awesome. And and you're going to get rewarded with it with uh, you know getting it accepted by the National Strength and Conditioning Association, which is the premier, in my opinion, premier strength and conditioning organization in the world. And I'm proud to be a member for, I guess my first certification. I mean, I took the test prior to graduating. I had to wait until graduation in order to get my certificate. And it 
I don't you can't really see it, but it sits up there with the uh, with the rest up there. It's oh, one of those. Um, Ed, I can't even count that high. How many is that? 30? That's only that's only the start, buddy. That's you, know, <laughs> you have to go way over here to see, you know, all the uh, all the other ones. But um, I think it's, the a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a Freudian thing. So anyway, thanks you guys so much for joining me during the middle of your day. I really appreciate it. I'm sure the audience has appreciated it as well. And um, we'll be chatting soon. We got a lot of work to do. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. We appreciate it. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks, everybody. See you next Tuesday.